Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 500 Greatest Films Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hector Navarro. My other host is Keller Knobloch. He's sitting right across from me. Keller, say hi, Keller. Oh my God, hi. <laughs> and today we're talking about number 497 on the list of the 500 Greatest Films of All Time, Crouching Tiger. We're really working through this thing. Hidden Dragon. We are powering through this thing oh at, at a steady pace of one movie a week. Definitely not going to exceed that. Uh, so we're talking Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon today, and this is, uh, I'll give you guys some trivia before we start. First of all, we attempted this project a year ago. This is as far as we got. Yeah, we've officially, okay, we still haven't made it farther than we made it last time. Right. We have to complete this episode. Yes. And then, but we've already released more. Yes. Today. Yes. As of today, we've released more episodes than yes, we've we have. ever released before. <laughs> so, wow, three. Cool, <laughs> So, like, at the end of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, we will have surpassed as far as we got last year. So, the reason I bring that up is to say that Keller and I have seen this movie at least once. At least. Because the first time I ever saw this movie was, last year. was a year ago when we tried this project because I had never seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon up to this point, even though it is one of the most successful and f- like popular foreign language films in the Western world of all time. I will say that my family did contribute to the success of this film <laughs> by purchasing tickets to it and then realizing it was in subtitles and then sneaking into Seaspot Run. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes. That is amazing. I remember when, let's talk about this for a second. I remember when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out. It was released in the year 2000. Good year. And I remember that it was such a hit that it had gotten into popular culture, maybe on like late night talk show monologues and and things like Saturday Night Live and Mad TV and things like that, that it became a bit of a joke that like this movie had, well, that was, that was hugely impactful. A lot of, oh my God, a lot (laughs) lot of of jokes in that. A lot of Crouching Tiger references, really only for the title, but like, exactly. But just the, (laughs) yeah. But just the idea that like this movie had subtitles and made 140 million domestic. How much did it cost? It cost 14 million dollars to make. Holy shit. And it made 140 million in the United States alone and then an additional however much to get to the grand total of 213 Wait. million internationally this around the, the world. This is the same thing as Saw did then. Yes. Except it's a good movie. Well, 14 million to 100 yeah, yeah it's pretty exactly good. Exactly the same thing. That's pretty good. Um uh, they didn't have more money to make the movie initially. Saw could always technically say we made a hundred times our our budget, and not a lot of movies could say it. like like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon did not make a hundred times oh, no, a fourteen no, million dollar budget. It tacked on a hundred million to that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then an extra hundred for like the international markets everywhere else around the world. So like grand total, I, I think forgot, I forgot math. Math that that's sort of happened. exponential like the end, multiplication I, I math. I yeah, what math was? Yep, it happens to the best of us it happens to the worst of us and and the, the medium of us medium of us yeah but um like so so your so your family did you go see crouching were you in that theater that that snuck in to go see c spot run i forgot that c spot yeah. run was a movie why are we talking david about c spot run i I'm remember david arquette i remember okay right <laughs> i'm here i'm okay. here for it i'm listening uh so wait, you were there i would i was about to watch this movie yeah. i was fine <laughs> i was probably like Definitely a child. Yeah, you were what, ten years old? Maybe. Yeah, ten were, years old. Because exactly. you were born in ninety. Yeah, I was born in ninety. So you were ten. Nine or ten. Yeah, uh, and, and you were like, oh, I'll watch. I'll watch this movie. Yeah, and then uh, my dad's like, <laughs> yeah. And so we just all snuck out. Uh, 
Solid. And snuck into C Spot yeah. Run. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. Great movie. So C-Spot the first Run. time, no, it's I not. Love that movie. <laughs> I don't remember a single thing about it. David Arquette. And Anthony he chases Anderson. a dog. Anthony Anderson. The that's right. Wait, are you confusing this with Sam uh, with Kangaroo Jack? Samurai Jack. Kangaroo yeah. Jack. You're, are you confusing Samurai Jack with Kangaroo? Jack? I am. Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> wasn't Anthony Anderson in Kangaroo Jack? Yeah. Was he buddy. also in C Spot Run? Yes. He had a good year whenever well, it, these good, movies came a out. Good a good little stretch. Yeah, yeah. it's a good stretch, and then mm-hmm. nothing, and then blackish. Yeah. It's like, he's back. <laughs> he's <baby>. back. <laughs> C Spot Run. <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. So, so you had never really sat down to watch the film until we like watched it for the first time a year ago. Yeah. And the same happened with me, but like the cultural impact of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was also undeniable and we'll, we'll get into it. But what I need from you first, Keller, is for you to read the blurb from 2008's Empire Magazine's list of 500 greatest movies of all time. This is issue number 233. It was released in November, November of 2008. of 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read the spine. That is the, what's on the spine. That's right. And on the cover is The Godfather because that's the one I grabbed because I knew it was the number one. It but says, there's 100 covers. The 500 greatest movies of all time, in parentheses, very small. Now remember, I want 500 hard ones. Go. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. I don't know why it says that. Weird. It's a quote from a movie, probably. Probably. Uh, we'll that, see uh, it that somebody, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. 500 hard ones go. All right, whatever. But give us the, in your best British gentleman's voice, please, as this is a British magazine. Keller, go. It's Tell true. us about Crouching Tiger. 497. <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, 2000. Director Ang Lee. Lee exceeded all expectations with this wushu masterpiece set in ancient China. (laughs) A martial arts opus packed with emotion, beauty, and plenty of elegant ass-kickery. It's the ultimate fusion of action and art. Emotion. (laughs) Uh, Well said, Keller. Well said, Empire Magazine. Thanks. Um, That pretty much sums it up. Pretty much sums it up. So... Uh, my takeaway too from this film, and the other thing I want to mention too before we get into it is that uh, a year ago we asked our good buddy and quite frankly genius storyteller. Yeah, this episode is not going to be as good as the one we recorded a year ago. Not even close. So we are going to upfront apologize to our friend, our dear friend Eric Calderon. He is and a audience. he is an animation writer, director, a brilliant storyteller, and he came on and he talked about and the audience. Thank you, Keller. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and all of its themes and how it relates to to uh, Zen, Buddhism, and it was beautiful. We asked him to come back on the show not to talk about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but he is going to be back in just a few weeks talking about the movie Sideways, which I'm really excited about, so maybe we can sneak which in a little... also a crazy look at Buddhism. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, is the wine glass half full, half empty? I don't know. That's I don't even know if that's Buddhist, but... Also, why you care how much wine's in the glass. Just enjoy the wine. Exactly. That and that's... Be in that just be in that wine. moment. Just be there. Oh, my God. But maybe thank we can you, sneak Thomas in Hayden Church. a little... Thank you, Paul Giamatti. A little, uh, a little Crouching Tiger convo with Eric when he comes on the show. Definitely. So look forward to that, guys, for we'll real, for real, because Eric is a... Fucking genius, so you're going to want to tune into that episode. But um, but my biggest takeaway was that for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I think it's the best wushu film ever made, but I don't, I haven't seen enough wushu yeah, I cinema. I don't know 
enough about this entire genre. And the other crazy thing is to go in order in this list, you start with Ocean's Eleven, then you do Saw, then you do Back to the Future Part Two, and then you get to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, is- and you go, oh yeah, movies are art. I completely forgot. Like, it's so... Such a, a drastic like shift change. Easily the best movie thus far. That to go we've to to go from Back to the Future Part Two to Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon from from Ang Lee and it's gorgeous. I it was is. like stunned at how beautiful this movie is. I mean, when Everything I saw it a year ago, and even just like yeah. them talking, yeah, just man, the, it goes from insane action sequence to fucking your mind with their words yeah and then beautifully written sequence beautifully written and like keller and i do not speak uh mandarin um so we saw this no you you do so you were you're paying attention you were like (laughs) (laughs) totally in it um but i didn't know this i looked it up uh ang lee who is a uh uh, an asian director but was He's from yeah. He's a Taiwanese director, but we, it says in this in this little piece of uh, info on Wikipedia, he was educated in the West. Ang Lee personally edited the subtitles to make sure that they were that they were like compatible with Western audiences. And I don't really know this, but the movie it being this incredible collaboration between China, between between Taiwan, I think Hong Kong, and um, like and the United States, I think like all these different production companies and kind of different people came together. That it was sort of marketed towards western audiences i didn't know that i thought that this was just like a chinese movie like a chinese that movie that just like yeah that was just released in the u.s yeah. and it and it was it gained attention because oh ang lee the director of you know um I didn't know that cider house rules or whatever whatever but like but but in, in fact rules? yes he did but in taking fact woodstock? what's that taking woodstock i don't know if he did he did, direct he did really i just know him that three years after this he did hulk with scott the man no, is with all Eric Bana, yeah. Also, oh, I love Ang Lee's filmography. Like, it, like he is one of these directors that is is an incredibly talented director because his filmography is all over the place. Not too many directors he can, can do, do that. Anything. He can do anything, and he has done anything. And just yeah. a real quick side note Let about Hulk. I just oh need to God. talk about no, Hulk for a second. Keller, please no, just bear with me. Uh, this will be less than this will be less than twenty seconds. This will be less than twenty seconds. Hulk. Edward Norton's my Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk, the movie, like it was like ahead of its time. I think it was too heady and too intellectual. Not Definitely. to say, not and, to say that it was an hour too long. Sure, not to say, not to say that it was deserving that. But like that movie came out in two thousand three, and really should have come out after two thousand five, when Batman Begins had already done a lot of what that movie did. Batman Begins, and especially The Dark Knight, was Christopher Nolan coming in and going, "Let's take these films seriously and try to do a drama or a, or a crime Hulk movie or the, a thriller." Hulk is the worst person to start that. that yeah, place, because, just because he's so fucking there depressing. Is, yes, he is, and there's a lot that you can read into some classic Hulk comics, and there's a lot of really interesting psychology, and I think that's what Ang Lee was drawn to. And we're, I'm talking about Hulk because obviously the the, the movie Ang Hulk Lee, is not on is not on this list, yeah. obviously, but. Um, there's a lot of interesting psychology with the Hulk and Bruce Banner, and later he becomes the Gray Hulk, and then the Smart Hulk, and all these different things. And and the comics retroactively reveal that like he had been beaten as an infant, as a child, or like he his his came from an abusive home. So there's interesting shit to do there. But like you said, dude, Hulk as a character is the last one they should have tried to do this in the early two thousands. That not movie a came out. That movie came out a year after the first Spider-Man. So people are like, oh, this is what superhero movies are. And then a year later, they go to see this and they're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. This is trying yeah. too hard. Like it's, you know, and the comic book panels through people, but that's Ang Lee like trying shit. He made decisions. Like, like every single he, thing he does, he puts everything He put everything in. He's, he, he's not going to give you a half-assed superhero movie. Yeah. 
even though parts he of that movie were Hulk weird. His due, he, sure. he tried, and people and, pe- and the audiences rejected it because time. audiences were like, "No, we want Hulk to be fun." They don't we know anything about Hulk. Right. And he was really looking more at those weird comics as opposed to like the classic Bill Bixby TV show, the Lou Ferrigno yeah. TV show, which I love, but it's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Edward Norton Hulk was trying to do that. And it's way closer to the Bill Bixby show. This sort of just like action movie. But he's, they did a, a man on the run. Of like bringing in some of that angly they seriousness. They did. They did. And then they, just because they had to. And now the Mark Ruffalo made. version is like the most fun. And that's fine Only because, because it's like. Of Thor. Yeah, so really funny, so funny. But anyway, but like even when you, what I'm saying about Ang Lee is even when he's given something like that, this sort of big budget superhero movie, he's not going to turn in a product that is not saying something. It's he's not trying something. It he's going to give it everything. And he gave it everything on Crouching Tiger. I read that he was exhausted when he was making this movie, depressed, was like not sleeping just because he was working every single minute of every single day for like eight months or however long it took to make it. And it's crazy. He probably knew that this was going to be end all be all. Yes. Not actually, but like he, yeah. probably, he didn't. I don't think he felt that way. But, but I mean, he knew he knew that he had to respect the yes what he was coming from. And he probably, I imagined, it feels like you can just feel the passion for this type of filmmaking in this movie. And I said that it feels to me like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the end all be all of wushu cinema, but I, but I haven't seen enough. It feels like it is modern Hollywood. And even though he didn't shoot this in Hollywood or in the United States, when I say Hollywood, I mean modern filmmaking. It's modern filmmaking's attempt to do a throwback, but like give it so much seriousness. Well, did American studios really do that much or was it all distribution? Essentially, I guess it was all distribution. I'm not entirely sure. Like one of like the writers of the movie, or rather, I should say the um, the people who did the adaptation from the from like the book to the screenplay is like a white is like a guy. It's like it's like Barry Mackis or some some name like with all these like Chinese names. Say the names of the whatever. Yeah, you should pull it up. We should definitely. But it's what's this movie called? Yeah. (laughs) But uh, what an incredible feat from like Ang Lee all the way down, like every person involved in the production of this movie. I just I'm saying I think you can feel the love and Hollywood has done this before. Even something like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, you can obviously point to it and go, this is Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. They're making throwbacks to the pulpy stuff they loved as kids. You look at something like um, uh, I was saying earlier, uh, like the artist is is a clear example of modern Hollywood going, let's try to make the silent film. The, like the you know what I mean, like film. the like yeah. the one to like sum it all up, and I feel like that's what Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is, is that it's Ang Lee and it's everybody involved in the production, including the writers who wrote it. Keller, we have three writers. Mm-hmm. It is based off a book, mm-hmm. the fourth in a series, apparently of like of uh, Du Lu Wang. Yes, was writer of the novel from the is like from the thirties, I think, and later. So yeah. And the book was called Crouching so Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So I think Sword of Destiny is based off of one of those. Well, it damn well better be. We haven't even talked about the sequel that's I'm on so Netflix. I'm so sorry for bringing that up. That's in English. I haven't seen it yet. And I, I kind of want to, I will but watch I also... it. After watching this, I yeah. will watch it. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a shot. But it's Hui weird that it's Ling in English. Wang Excellent. also wrote. Mm-hmm. And they wrote Lust and Caution, The Myth, mm. The Crossing, The Crossing 2. I imagine these are a lot of foreign language films, a lot of Chinese films. These are films. accurate. Cool. <laughs> the myth does have Jackie Chan, though. Oh, awesome! I James like Seamus, James Brokeback, Seamus. Interesting. Seamus. So he he's he's a frequent Ang collaborator Lee, with Ang Lee. I love Brokeback yeah. Mountain. When what year that. did Brokeback Mountain come out? Wasn't it two thousand five? 
I think Brokeback is on the list. Probably, definitely. I should be. It should be. I'll have to double Saw check. Saw on but... this list. Crouching Tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On this yeah, list. yeah, yeah. Uh, Brokeback Mountain. Mountain. Yeah, it absolutely should be. Um, But, man, I love that movie. That was another really big, like, impactful Ang Lee movie that I went to go see. Because I just remember that year that, that Brokeback Mountain lost to Crash. For the that best, was a huge upset. yeah, because it, it's stupid. That should not I happen. Seen Crash. I've heard uh, it's terrible. It's I've not terrible, but it's garbage. but it's like compared to what crowd. But, but that was like the first what Crouching Tiger, what uh, uh, what well, uh, Brokeback was doing. Yeah, like... um, but what's cool is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was nominated at the Oscars that year for Best Picture. It should have, and I think it won Best Foreign Language Film. Well, but it was even nominated for Best Picture, which is amazing. Last but not least, yes, we have Kuo Jung Tsai. So those three individuals, including Mr. Seamus, yep. were the writers of the movie. Um, so yeah, so like, I don't know, the, the point is, is whatever level collaboration between like United States, between Westerners, between Asian filmmakers, Chinese filmmakers, whatever the case. I don't th- know if you want us to do research for this yeah. thing. It's not going <laughs> to fucking happen, okay? We're going to watch the movie and then we're going to get into this it. This is just about our sort of gut feelings at <laughs> exactly. this point. But like, like, I feel the same... <laughs> As I did a year ago when I saw it for the first time, and I think that thankfully this movie on well, repeated viewings is more enjoyable because well, because I, I, I understand after it more. Hearing what Eric talked about, absolutely, absolutely, that each of the characters represent different ideas in Buddhism. I'd say this movie is better on a second viewing. It is because because you even from the beginning about characters' relationships and yeah. their histories, and so it, you can find some of those more subtle performances between characters like Michelle Yeoh's character and Chow Yun-Fat's character, when they're interacting, you're like, oh my God, like you can see, and it was hinted there in the film, and I'm sure you can pick that stuff up the first time you see it, but like, yeah, but once like, you see it the, the whole way through the first time, you go, oh, okay, this is, uh, yeah, you just Chow know what's going on there. And I'm, the whole time. He is. And I'm not going to lie, too. The fact that I do not speak Mandarin, obviously, well, there is... I'm not getting everything. True. And there's... I don't want to say a disconnect, but there's 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 a, an extra step I have to take. True, but as I'm, I'm getting so much from Michelle Yeoh's yeah, eyes. I know. And just the way she looks, like... I said as we're watching the movie, around. I turned to Keller and I was like, uh, Zhang Zihi is, I think, the best actor in this film. And she's so young and so incredible. And incredible at the physical martial arts stuff and incredible at what she has to do with her character. And her and Chow Yun-Fat and Michelle Yeoh are the three actors, I think, out of the entire really talented cast that are, like you said, Keller, they're not the overacting. They're most grounded. They're the most grounded. And I said, Zhang Zihi's the best actress. And you were like, but Michelle Yeoh's doing the same stuff. She's doing the same exact thing. She's just like, it's all in her face. Yeah, it's so it's reserved. It's all right there in her face. Yeah, and just, oh, I love watching Which these actors. It's so good. maybe... Better. It may it may be is more impressive because, because you were saying Zhang Zihi gets to gets to, she has to get those subtle yes. performances. Damn, he does. He really, really Damn, does. Damn, he does. There's this like the moment at the end where Chow Yun Fat's character has been poisoned Spoiler. and he's and he's dying, and it's it's like the most beautiful thing ever. And he's like, uh, those, he's that, those last. His few lines little, are few so lines. romantic. Holy shit. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to take my last breath, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the beauty I of the my writing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I want to use my last breath to tell you that I love you. I always have. And then he falls back, and Michelle Yeoh is already there catching him. But just like the, what, what, after he says that, like the her camera's face. on, like her face is like, she's able to just bring these tears. It's all- and bring this emotion so incredible actors and all of the characters have such interesting relationships and i feel like a lot of this is stuff that if you know wushu cinema you're used to but if you're a 
30-year-old guy like me who's raised on cartoons and comic books and video games and shit, like this is not a world I'm used to. But what's crazy is so much of this type of cinema has inspired stuff that I love and inspired artists that I love, comic books, cartoon shows. I can point to so much of the um and like like Avatar the Last Airbender oh, right and it's now. so clearly Again. influenced by this type of storytelling and these yeah. types of characters but it is very western the and american and, the martial and arts. absolutely and it's so like respectful of that and it's yeah. you know um and like uh, well I was going to say a spoiler about Avatar the Last Airbender the end of season no, the whole we're I can't say that for an we're going to say that other podcast okay, great. That we're starting where we're going to all about <laughs> the last airbender but like I just love some of these deeper ideas that Here's what it reminds me of. Okay. When Zack Snyder directed the movie Watchmen. You're not starting off well. <laughs> You're and not doing here's, a good job. Well, wait, 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 wait. Crouching Tiger Hidden reminds me. Crouching Tiger Hidden reminds me of. Not that. Not Have the you movie. Seen Sucker Punch? <laughs> not the movie, but when that movie came out, Roger Ebert said of the movie Watchmen, Roger Ebert, one of my favorite film critics of all time, I've disagreed with him. Roger I have so agreed with him. I love the way he would talk and write about film. The man can give you his opinion and yes. make you understand I why. I love Roger Ebert. But Roger Ebert said about the movie Watchmen, which comes from a very dense comic book full of a lot of thematic elements, he said I something like, and again, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the beautiful words that Roger Ebert said. He said something like... If you don't get this fucking <laughs> right right now, Hector... I'll, I'll try. Here's my best, here's my best effort. Here's my best effort. Roger Ebert said, and I quote... And he quotes. I'm, I pulled it out. I feel, I feel as if I just saw something profound up on the screen but I don't quite know what it was that I saw, end quote. Something like that. So to him, I can, like... Uh, checks out. Okay, great. Roger yeah, Ebert saw this it. movie, Watchmen. It was, whether you love it or you hate it, it was an attempt to, to, to translate a lot of dense material from a comic book into a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour movie. Exploder genre. Yeah, like deconstructed, you know, like the movie maybe itself was ahead of its time, whatever you feel about it, but... I Roger think Zack Ebert may be the greatest living filmmaker. <laughs> In any case, Roger Ebert saw that movie and he recognized. Oh, wait, you don't agree with it. He rec. Well, have you seen? Have you seen it? the Owls of Gahul? Pretty good. Fuck yes. Pretty good. I just did it for the thirty seconds to Mars. Song. Yeah. <laughs> but like Ebert recognized, there's something in here. That's another connection that maybe can't. That Zack what is Snyder it? Had with Jared Leto. Yeah. Before. He was Suicide Squad. Sure, that's it. Yeah, of course. He's had tons of connections with Jared Leto. That's that, that's that was the that's how he was credited in the movie. At the end of Suicide Squad, it was Deadshot. I feel like AKA Floyd 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 Lawton is Will Smith, and then Shitty Joker was Jared Leto. It was crazy. Um, but uh, that's how I feel with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I watch the movie. It's up on the screen, and I'm like, I think I feel that there's so much profound. Meaning in this, you can see six different layers to the yes, movie. Like you can but, get the yeah, just watch the movie. And oh, you're just gonna and it's gorgeous. And it's gorgeous. And first of all, let's talk about this for a second. Okay, wait. The choreography is some of the most impressive fighting the choreography, choreography but also I've ever the way seen the in a movie. Camera yeah, moves with like. Yeah. We're just going to look at the feet for now. So like, and then, yeah, yeah. And then the feet are going to be blocking themselves as, yeah. as Zhang Zihi tries to jump. Like Michelle Yeoh is going to be like, yeah, yeah, like wrestling, like locking down the feet. So like. I wish we knew anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surface level, Keller. I this, like when their feet were touching. Yeah. And we could only see that. <laughs> That's what I like about the movie. Like oh, touch. we're dumb. We're real dumb guys. Um, But like, yeah, it's like surface level, it's like looking at a beautiful painting or, you know, and it's just like being like, this is beautiful. A, well, even you can either do it that way or mm-hmm. you can be some 
brawl who's like mm-hmm. in it for fucking fighting and, and it's just amazing it's what's your favorite fight scene in the, in the movie the bar scene the bar scene it's Zhang Zihi against everybody else yeah yeah and just like her, her drinking her tea and then blocking everything oh. with just one hand and be like you hurt my fucking wrist oh my god and then everybody has their own little names yeah what, yeah it's what, like what I am I am iron arm or like whatever it was like yeah iron like, arm and like yeah. you must know uh, standing crane or yeah like, yeah yeah why do you have all these dumb names? Yeah. And she's like, why do you have all these dumb names? Yeah. <laughs> these names are stupid. And this hey, one guy's like, what was your name again? He, that, uh, oh, mine was, uh, I am running away. That's who I'd be. <laughs> I'd be out of every one of these fights. These people show up with knives and they're just like, yeah, I'll just flip it around and run on some bamboo trees. And I'm like, that's I insane. am iron arm. I am leaving. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I would be. I would be leaving yeah, yeah, every yeah. time. Leaving early. Every fight. That's I who I would be. I am to go. I would, oh my God. But, um, but such a good, that fight. Is like such a wake up. It builds. Well, it's incredible. It is a wake up. Mm -hmm. Not that the movie was slow or anything, but like you were saying, the first half of the movie, there's a lot of sort of plot development and some great kind of like chase, chasey type scenes, and then we get to that one fight where Jade Fox shows up and kills that guy with the sword in his head, and that's a great fight. That weird knife sword thing in his head, and then there's like a nice love story in the middle of the movie. So yeah, it's after that they do a little Romeo and Juliet, yeah, a the little the whole it. thing, and yeah. then it's once we come out of that is like it picks up with the uh, three Mich- fight scenes like, in a oh fucking God. row. We yeah, start with the bar, the bar then it's then her versus to, Michelle Yeoh, yeah, and then it's like the end fight, yeah, um, oh, so incredible, and the, yeah, that ends on the bamboo trees and everything. But like, and we may we may be missing a couple, whatever. But um, that's your favorite oh, fight, yeah, bamboo trees, and then the final. I don't know what is my favorite fight. I think I might like... Probably the bar fight's the most fun. It is. The tree fight is the most beautiful, beautiful to look at. Beautiful, yeah. I love the first Michelle Yeoh chasing. Yeah, like it's great. Running, on the walls. And all of a sudden she's like, I feel... I'm running on the top of this and now yeah. I feel like running on the wall. Yeah. And she like does that curve thing <laughs> Yeah. she just runs down. Yeah. It's the camera stuff is so fun. It's the really good. Stuff. I think my favorite. Term. Yeah, we're good at cinematography. My favorite fight is the one with uh, the Jade Fox where she's fighting because there's so much comedy in that oh, yeah. in that scene as well because the, that you guy had the sort of in the fucking yeah face. hitting himself in the face like constantly well, which is so funny. Scene. That is from the yeah when Mich- when, when Zhang Zihi is running away. Yeah, but like it's that same sword. guy who shows up and when she does that, that guy's that, great. That, he comes in with some good. Great moments. facial expressions and like that was my favorite part. And like freezes because him and he's like, yeah, Chow, I think it's Chow Yun Fat or no, it was like the de- the father that's like, watch out for acupuncture, and then yeah. she goes <laughs> and does it. And he's like, <laughs> and his like face freezes and he's stuck there, and he shits it's, like his pants. trying to move. Yeah, and then he shits his pants like hot rod. Yeah. So um, so that's just the surface level stuff. The choreography is still incredible; it still holds up. And then if you dig deeper, as we go back to the discussion of the movie, you can find all of these layers and what the characters represent and their relationships. And you said, as we're watching it, this movie is definitely a like a female empowerment, female centric film. Yeah. And I was reading up on it. Movie is what I it is. You said it's a woman's movie, and it is. It's a chick flick, and like it's great, and that's not a bad term. And it's and it's something that traditionally, it, I, I looked this up. It says on Wikipedia on the history of um, in the history of certain types of martial arts, there are records that like a woman learned this first and sort of taught it and was considered a master. 
but then like men sort of took it over well, and kind of vanished. Well, there's also the whole aspect of the movie. The Jane yeah. Fox is like, you wouldn't let me because train I'm a woman. because I'm a woman. Yep. So you deserve to die by a woman's hand. Which is awesome. Yeah. And she did kill that guy and that was yeah. Chow Yun-Fat's master. So then he gets involved into it. And, and uh, yeah, so there's this whole element of Michelle Yeoh being this powerful bodyguard who kind of people take for granted, same sort of thing. Zhang Zihi, ultimate example of this woman who is going to get married off this young woman, and she is the like the, the most best. the best, the best, and only lacks only, training. Yeah, that's it, and uh, surpassed even her own master, the Jade Fox, who's another incredibly powerful female because character. She couldn't read. Read, yeah. I didn't remember that from the last. Neither did time. I. Neither did I. Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. Yeah. But um, you said you had a story that you wanted to share. That when was we're the watching the movie. Run. That was it. There's yeah. a C spot run story. Okay, great. So that was your. Okay, yeah. Let's do it again. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I was nine. Yeah. Um, so how would you sort of like? Because here's a question I want to ask you. Do you think that this film is something that kind of reaches across the aisles as it were like sort of breaks grounds and is able to is able to be seen by people who normally accessible as the is the question so well i use i say that yeah but i don't know how heady other wushu correct i don't know how because this movie is just a you have to pay attention sure and everything they say is a poem mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. they're kicking each other's ass. It's beautiful, yeah. yeah. And I don't have that much experience with wushu cinema. I don't have that much experience with Asian cinema. There's a lot of uh, Asian yeah. uh, like martial arts films and different films that I love. A series that I really love that I don't think is considered wushu at all, at least I don't think, is like the Lone Wolf and Cub series. No. We watched a few of those, and they're, they're I love them so much. They're so... 70s and so cheesy well, but so Japanese and this is that's true Chinese, that's true and this so. is Chinese which is a completely different Chinese. thing but yeah. like just Asian cinema as a whole that's that's how little sort of experience I have with it and Lone Wolf and Cub is accessible to me because it's accessible but then I started reading I read the comic book first and so like that was my entry point you know I'm always open to to watch different kinds of movies and especially foreign films and movies from yeah. other countries. But what I'm asking you is, how would you sort of pitch this if you had to to somebody who was like averse to like, oh, I, I don't want to see a movie with subtitles, which is so yeah, it's like so disappointing. It is very close minded. How many times was a yeah. million people said that? How would you pitch it? Because I think I have a, an idea, but I want to run it by you. How would you pitch this movie to somebody? You'd have to give them the visual somehow. Mm-hmm. You'd have to show them. Mm-hmm what it's gonna look like those trees at the end show them that those shots of we're watching the movie and you were like this feels like it's new zealand only well, because some of China, these mountains can go anywhere in gorgeous China and be somewhere completely different vistas and backdrops yeah. but like in the same way that like peter jackson with the lord of the rings movies is showcasing the beauty of new zealand crouching tiger is showcasing the beauty of china and yeah. it's you know it's yeah that's a good one i feel like the only way i would do it is like or the way I would pitch it, at least, if somebody were averse to it, is I'd go, but this is the end-all be-all of wushu well, cinema. Yeah, this is, this is like, that sort uh, of like, yeah, this is this is tailor-made for Western audiences, even the subtitles. That little tidbit about Ang Lee, like, overseeing it himself, that, made sure, yeah. that, that, it, that it won't, that nothing will get lost in the translation, really. I'm sure there is things that are well, not th- translated, yeah, but... and you have to be like, I am still a little bit surprised this movie did that well. Oh, Absolutely. It's kind of a, it's definitely an underdog. Yeah. And it's like an underdog success story, you know? Um, I can't recall all these years past, like I can't recall how 
crazy expensive the marketing was, like how much these studios backed up Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But like, I remember it being in theaters and people, regular people were going to see it and also talking about the fact that, oh yeah, I had to read subtitles, I had to pay attention. But like, it still made this stamp on pop culture and was making its way into jokes and different. And then I remember after this movie came out, so many other movies were trying to be this movie. Chow Yun-Fat, Michelle Yeoh, Zhang Zihi were like American movie stars and they were in movie like Zhang Zihi was in Bulletproof Monk. They're like, let's let's do this, but with Sean William Scott. It's like, what? What are you trying to do? It's not that they were trying to do Crouching Tiger, but they were definitely like trying to ride the coattails of, oh, people want Chow Yun-Fat in American movies and like or American audiences want or, you know, Western audiences want these actors to do more like they want Kung Fu movies now. Let's do it. Let's do early 2000s Kung Fu movies. And they were not good. No. You know? Zhang Zihi was in Rush Hour 2. Oh, I yeah. loved her in Rush Hour 2. She's like, she's great. She's yeah. great. Another great sort of villain character. Um, but um, I remember, yeah, Michelle Yeoh. They were just like kind of well, all over the place. The first Rush Hour, I feel like, was like 98. Uh, let me just really? look it up. I don't think it's that late. Rush Hour is before that. Mm, let me see here. I have IMDb already. Okay, yeah. Up. Rush Hour... Two is two thousand one, so yeah, it's like a shit. year later. Ninety eight. Yeah, I didn't know Rush Hour was in ninety eight. Yeah, man. It seems older than that. It seems, yeah, a little bit. I think it's, it's definitely nineties. Chris Tucker fell off the face <laughs> <laughs> uh, until Rush Hour three. Yeah, but um, uh, here's the other thing I want to bring up. Okay. When I'm watching this movie, I cannot help but think of Dragon Ball Z, one of my favorite and very impactful cartoons for me that I watched when I was growing up. And it's not perfect by any means, but it's something as soon that... As you get the second season of Kai, I'll watch it. Okay, great. Because you like the first season of Dragon Ball Z, Kai. The yeah, summed up, trimmed down. All right, all I have cut. to get that, dude. Uh, I have to get that. But like the reason I think about it is because characters in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and in that world are in- incredible martial artists that are concerned with surpassing their limitations, being better. That's a direct link to DBZ. I'm watching Dragon Ball Z, and the, that's all the characters care about is training and getting better and one-upping themselves and pushing past their limits. And now I can turn Super Saiyan. Now I can turn Super Saiyan 2. Now and I can turn Super It's the same thing. Within... E- absolutely, absolutely. So, like, the other thing that I loved about Dragon Ball Z that I remembered when I was a kid was that it felt like the fights, even though they were flying around and had superpowers, were impactful. The, punches, felt the punches. I felt the punches. Now... I don't remember where I read this, but I remember growing up that I read that Bruce Lee, when he came on the scene, he sort of went the other way in terms of Chinese films because, in martial arts movies, because he wanted his well, martial Wushu, arts... you don't feel You don't punches, feel it. It's all graceful. And, and I remember reading somewhere that he was kind of opposed to those movies and he didn't like them and I might be wrong. Just I don't the know. lack of realism is what he did. Right. Like. He that that, that sort of, that you can feel the beautiful floatiness in it. The floatiness of it. And, um, because I liked Dragon Ball Z and I loved Bruce Lee. I worshipped him as a kid and I still do. And we're going to get to Enter the Dragon, I think this I year, dude. Oh my God. I haven't seen One it. One of my favorite movies ever. But, that philosophy that Bruce Lee had where he was like, when, when you film my martial arts, I want you to be able to feel each punch. I was like, that's what it's like in Dragon Ball Z. And then you get to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and it is not that. You do not feel the punches. Um, I feel like you I... You feel the hits until they want you to feel the hits in this Right. Movie. And or they want you to feel the slices, or they want yeah. you to feel the, the, the attacks and whatever the movements are. So I don't know if it's controversial or not. I still like Bruce Lee's philosophy. I really, really like that. And I feel like re- I get... Well, yeah, but that's a different thing. It's this a is different thing. A this is art piece. It is an art piece. It is fantasy. It is, you know... And so, like, does... 
Because there were a couple times where... Especially once you see the athleticism. Exactly. A couple times I'm watching when I watch Crouching Tiger that I do recognize them. Like, these are actors on wires. Does it take me out of the movie? I don't know. It never did But it's me. But it's the a, whole... So it's like... You know, the whole... because Just because physics. Just because... And just it happens... running in the air is a little... A little bit. They're, they're very, very light. But it is this fantasy. The whole world is built oh, I, this way. Oh, I buy in... Yes. And still tear up at the end of the movie. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. It is still incredibly gorgeous, but there, but there is a, it's the difference between trying to do a story like this set in our world versus like whatever world this is, this sort of constructed, you know, fictional world. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it, it does take me out, but you know what it, you know what does take me out is when I watch actors on, on wires, when they get hit and then they kind of float a little bit as they get thrown back. In other movies where they're supposed to yeah. be in a more realistic setting. Because I'm like, oops. Oh, that's great. I was just getting a call. And now Who it's gone. It? Uh, I don't know. All right. Tell him I said hi. Okay. I'll tell him. Okay. Um, but right. uh, so, yeah. So that's my whole thing is like I don't necessarily get taken out, but I Wait, do recognize. Quick, what the yeah. fuck was that? About? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to call him back. I'll figure it out. Um, but, uh, yeah. So that so that doesn't take you out of it at all. Remember, uh, no. I remember as a kid, again, reading about Bruce Lee's philosophy, I remember thinking, yeah, I also feel the same way. If I were to see, you know, older Chinese films from the 70s, 60s, whatever, wushu cinema, whatever it was, where they, where they had actors on wires, I would also be like, that's not real. But then you get to something like Crouching Tiger, and it's, it is completely different. So, And it's not about the martial arts. It's not. It's about the story. It's about what the characters represent. And what the themes are, are and what they're trying to say about this, just like the philosophy well, even of it. Eric said last time, even the way that each person fights represents yes. a different type of Buddhism. It's crazy. It's crazy. And just like even their outlets represents a type of Buddhism. You compare that film to something like a Back Star to the Wars. Part two. Back to the Future Part Two, which we have to do. Uh, this one, I'm glad, is 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 higher in the, the list. We need to be ranking them as we go. So so far, Saw's at the bottom of the list. Easily. Then I'm going to go Back to the Future Part Two. Yes. Then Oceans. Yes. Then this. Accurate. I think this is the easily the best this is film. For sure, for sure. Um, but uh, oh crap! I had a point and I was going to make it a second ago. Uh, completely forgot. Would you watch? You're gonna, you said you're going to watch the sequel. Yeah, I'll watch it. Here's what I was going to say. It's free on Netflix. Yes, it is. Um, this is always interesting it to watch. It's not in Chinese, though. Right, it's in it's in English, which is weird. But what I was going to say was, it's always interesting to watch movies like this from different countries, and especially from Asian countries, because of the philosophy involved, compared to when you have American guys like you and I watching movies our whole lives, we are fed a different type of story from when we're little boys. And that yeah, story like is... Hero's Journey. Hero's Journey. You're special. You're going to change the game. You just have to stand up and fight for what's right and do the right thing and you will change the world. And in our discussion with Eric a year ago and, and kind of looking at cinema like this. Well, even this movie. It's this like movie, a, it is not a, a – it absolutely is. And so it is very surprising that this movie did this well in the United States when it was released. You know, It, it honestly is that surprising because you can look at another recent movie that I like to talk about, the movie Warcraft, which is a bonkers movie. It is bonkers. It is bonkers. It that looks stars so cool. Though. Really cool. That stars uh, uh, ben, um, Foster. ben Foster as Justin Thoreau from, from Wanderlust. Yes, That's who he's playing. VCRs and <laughs> your beepers and, and your, your Nintendos and your Playstations. And your, uh, such a weird character. TVs. But like that movie is also Buddhist in the sense that 
the hero does not win. The hero gets killed like three quarters of the way into that movie, like the main orc who was supposed to sort of Brit, you know. And at the end of the movie, the the message is just like, well, war is going to keep happening because of a of a sort of a misunderstanding between a couple of key characters, and like this is how the world is, and nothing changed, and there was no hero, and the, like, yeah. and it's is an American guy watching that movie. It's a bummer, especially when you think about the budget of that movie and the fan base of that. Right, but the movie, movie. did. Buku Bucks in China. Yeah. Because it it absolutely is. And this was another movie that like a lot of major blockbusters these days had Chinese producers, I think a production company involved, investors, whatever the case may be, where like they had input on the story even. So I'm sure that a lot of that influence came from, well, this is how we look at things in China versus the United States. I'm used to bullshit stories where the dude gets the girl, quote unquote, saves the day. You know, I'm used to well, that. China's straight up paying for blockbusters these days. Yeah, like absolutely. Didn't they fund uh, The Last Mission Impossible? Uh, probably, yeah. What, Rogue Nation? I think so. Or maybe the next one, upcoming one? I mean, Kung Fu Panda 3 was a co-production between DreamWorks and, like, a Chinese company. Like, yeah. Iron Man 3 had some backing from a Chinese company, so that's why there was a whole deleted scene that that, that had to do with, like, Chinese characters that actually showed in the Chinese version oh, yeah. that we didn't even get to see. So, the, the market's changing, the world is changing, it's not just about making movies for the United States and everywhere else around the world, they'll just watch it. It's like, no, they're specifically catering some stories and storytelling. That's what The Great Wall is. Matt Damon is a movie star in China. They're going to grab Matt Damon. And Matt Damon also believes, I'm sure, that, hey, if Chinese people don't think I'm a movie star, then I'm going to be out of the game in 10 years. I need to make sure that I'm on some posters over there yeah. so that you know I can continue to be an actor. And they don't, I guess, <laughs> they don't have the... I guess whitewashing hangups. No, so because it's a completely there. because it's because and again you explain they just want to Matt Damon to be in their movie. Yes, and you explain to Japanese audiences when you talk about Ghost in the Shell, when they see Scarlett Johansson's going to be in Ghost in the Shell, they're oh, stoked. Yes. They're like, yeah. "Awesome, that's legit." Then you have to explain to them. But here's the thing, though, is that in the United States, in California, in Hollywood, in Los Angeles, there's a history of not giving Asian actors certain yeah. roles, but rather preferring white actors. Then you explain that context to Japanese audiences that were stoked about Scarlet, and they'll be the first to go, oh, well, then that's not right. That should go to an exactly. Asian actor. It's just it all depends you on the to, context. The, yes. So, um, and the fact that Hollywood hasn't put in the work to make people right. of color those huge names exactly like just somebody yesterday i think on youtube asked me they were like hey i like a lot of these movies but are there any asian superheroes because i want to get into some asian superhero characters and i listed a ton and, now the hulk. and there's a bunch and now the hulk and then there's a there's a bunch in comic books and as side characters in movies and tv shows and after i listed a whole paragraph and i was like dang there's actually a lot i still said at the end i was like this is barely a you know the sort of tip of the iceberg obviously we could use way more but most importantly there needs to be like a major like lead yeah. in a movie, you know, in the yeah. same way that we've had obviously black actors in superhero movies for all of time, Black Panther is still going to be different because it's like, but he's the, here's the lead. This is what the story is based around is like African characters. So that's why it's a big deal, you know? Um, so back to Crouching Tiger, like it has that Buddhist message that maybe things won't necessarily change. And I'm talking about Buddhism as if I know any... I don't know well, anything about religion. I don't know anything, anything about Buddhism. Anything I know about it is what Eric said last time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of just like, you know, there is a philosophy of be in the moment. Don't necessarily try to... Um, 
do things that would be sort of out of your reach maybe and that might sound pessimistic to american ears but that's but that's a sort of way of life of like finding happiness and contentness Which is also just a message that has been given to american population so that they will make more money and then buy more products yep 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 that's absolutely true there's a whole <laughs> there's a whole cd history behind that yeah, yeah, yeah. um but uh anyway takeaway is crouching tiger hidden dragon Great movie. Better than Saw. Beautiful movie. Better than Saw. <laughs> Glad it's higher up here. And uh, and, and here's where the this list... It should be so much higher up on this list. It really should. It should be in the top 250. Here's where the Just list gets because, a little... like... Yes. I agree. What it represents for... Absolutely. I wonder what other... If there are other wushu for, films on Or this. foreign language films, foreign even. Language even films just that. Or like, wushu films also. We'll see. Uh, oh, I think old... House of Flying I think, Daggers? I don't know if it's on there. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check. And I think also, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, uh, old boy the korean film is on oh, here okay. in terms I haven't of seen, i've only seen the spike lever have you really reason, yeah. oh that's weird i haven't seen that one yet but i've seen the original i heard I... people saying it was good and saw it on netflix sure like, okay what are people talking <laughs> about like, Josh okay Rowland, what are you yeah doing? yeah uh this is the old boy whenever we get to that years from now is a movie that i thought was really great the first time i saw it and i vowed to never see it again because i dude. don't want to have to sit and it's i'm such a it, bummer. it's gonna be yeah because you know because you've seen the um the spike Lee one but um Here's where the list gets a little controversial. Keller. Yeah. What movie are we watching next week? Next. Which is a, according week. to this list, ranked higher than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Made by known piece of shit, Brian Singer. We have Superman Returns coming down the pike. Superman Returns. And here's the most exciting thing, guys. You don't have to listen to just Keller and I's voices anymore. Starting next week. We are very. We're having our very first guest ever on the 500 Greatest Films podcast. Our good dear friend, uh, film critic Emma Fife, is going to be on the show. Emma Fife talking about Superman Returns. So we are counting Superman Returns as a sequel. Yes, that's what we're because it it's it's a it spiritual a sequel. sequel, but it is a sequel to Superman the movie and Superman Two uh, from back in the day. So as our rule states, you guys have got a week. To watch three movies. Superman, Superman 2, and Superman Returns. We're going to be discussing Superman Returns. If you've seen him before, great. But if you've never seen him, but you're like, I want to watch Superman Returns. I feel like this is you one of those instances. You definitely have to watch the other two. It's or like, you at least have to watch the first at one. At least the first one. Because um, I haven't seen two. And I've yes. Seen Superman Returns. And there's some stuff that goes down in two that is kind of paid off a little bit in return so that's sort of so keller and i are going to be rewatching well, as he goes away right keller and i are going to be rewatching one and two this week and then we're going to be talking about and then superman returns and talking about it with emma fife so just like we would not recommend watching back to the future part two without having seen part one obviously clearly yeah. clearly same deal we it's will like tell you if it's necessary right and i feel like this isn't the most necessary to like talk about to, to watch Warrior, superman returns you don't need to have seen uh mad max OG the first mad one max. yeah not really you but there is yeah really not, not in the mad max franchise we george will, miller doesn't care about chronology or whatever continuity yeah continuity or anything but we will um, watch the first one yeah, yeah yeah actually i'll do all four for that one. i'm pretty sure mad max 2 or the road warrior is ranked higher than the first mad max so i wouldn't even work like we'll hit the first one before we hit the oh, second both are on the list yeah okay. uh, i think so i Maybe. don't think thunderdome is it might be i don't know i hope all three are who runs botter town master blaster uh, Who runs Barter Town? Love it. Um, yeah, so next week. Fury Road would for sure be on. Dude, we're going to talk about Fury Road when we get to some Mad Maxes. And next week, we'll probably talk about Superman in film. Because this list came out in 2008. And after Superman Returns didn't really 
do what I think Warner Brothers wanted it to do. Uh, we're they talk about went Hollywood back to the drawing board. We're, we're gonna, gonna really we're gonna talk about Hollywoodland. Great movie. Haven't seen it. Uh, pretty good movie. Ben Affleck plays a Superman George in Hollywoodland. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he does a good job. And there's some really good moments in that film. Adrian Brody's in that, right? I think. I don't know. And also, I think um, Martha Wayne, uh, uh, the actress who plays Diane uh, Keaton. Diane, no, Diane Lane. Diane Lane is in it. Not Diane Keaton. Love Diane. Lane. I mixed up my Diane. It's okay. It happens all the time. We've mixed up our Attenboroughs and our Diane. So, uh, Superman Returns next week, guys. Do whatever you want, obviously. But Keller and I are going to watch Superman 1 and 2. And then Superman Returns and talk about Superman on film at number 496 on the list. If you guys want to go on iTunes and rate us five stars and say that we're good at things. Yeah. Or say we're bad at things but still rate us five stars. True. If I fucking see anything less than five stars, I'm going to track you down. (laughs) And I'm going to make you listen to Saw. You have to listen to Saw. <laughs> uh, guys, keep All tweeting at movies. us. Keep, uh, is there eight of them? You don't even know. You just, just said a number. Jigsaw. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so, guys, keep tweeting at us. We really love reading all of your tweets uh, uh, about the movies. And we hope that you guys have been enjoying listening to us, but also just like watching along with us. Um, and then you guys can also leave messages on Podbean. We're on Podbean if you're listening oh, yeah. to this, to this on Podbean. Stitcher and we're going to get on week. Stitcher real soon. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, thank you guys so much. And we'll be back next week with Emma Fife talking about Superman Returns. Boo, Brian Singer. But yay, Superman. All right. Yay, Superman. Next week. Okay, bye, guys. I love you.